Well, welcome to Theology Doesn't Suck. We are so excited to have you with us. Today is a very exciting episode. There's so many people on with us today. We have, of course, uh, my lovely co-host, Josh Patterson. Hi, Josh. What's up, man? And then uh, joining us also today is our producer, Matt Thrift. How's it going, Matt? Hey, doing pretty well. How are you doing? Doing well. Good. And then um, I'm Andy. Uh, So we're excited to have you with us. Uh, Before we dive into our episode and bring on our guest, I just wanted to tell you guys real quick, I'm very excited that the Colorado Avalanche have finally won a playoff series for the first time since 2008. Um, (laughs) This is a big deal. And I just... I, I had I had several days of feasting and celebration after <laughs> after that. Right so on. How we, much we won a series before the Caps did. That's true. <laughs> uh oh, we lost. Uh, we lost Joey. Oh, no. Uh keep rolling. Oh, it says he left. So we'll keep um, lost you guys. I'm gonna go ahead and try to bring him back in here. Bring him back in. Um, we lost our so guest. If you can't tell what's happening. And, and I ruined it. I said who it is. So it says I'm I'm calling him. We'll you just said stick the with first name. No one knows who that is. It could be That's any true. Joey. There that, are thousands yeah, could, of Joeys in the world. There are quite a good bit of Joey. So it yeah. says I'm calling him. Oh, it's, re- it's about, probably going to... Oh, oh, here we go. All right. And welcome we back. Um, <laughs> so I suppose <laughs> that's stuff. as good a place as any to introduce our guest, uh, Joey Svensson uh, from the Bad Christian Podcast. Joey, how's it going? It's going well, man. I just had a naked boy walk across the room, wanted to make sure he wasn't in y'all's view, you know, just for his privacy. Other Fair enough. That, yeah, that's good. good. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's good. <laughs> we appreciate the courtesy there, man. Yeah, for okay, sure. So, it's a minor, and he's my son, you know. So just right. so it's all good. I just wanna... didn't want y'all to see. I won't, I I won't name any names, but and I don't know if Josh even knows this, but there was one guest we interviewed one time. Where I did see a naked person. Oh in the my background. gosh! Wow. They walked across the back. All right, for that person's for that person's sake, we don't have to say who it was. But their I wife definitely walked across the background. His wife. I won't say who it was. Yeah. His yeah. wife was naked and walked across the background. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Did you say anything? I have to no. know. Did, no. You didn't say anything. Didn't so I didn't know it, what it to was say. never talked about. No, no, but it was very, I don't think very he knew. I don't small, think he knew. minor. Like you couldn't see nothing. It was just you knew it was going on. And it, it was did you have awkward. to bounce your eyes, background. or you were good? Like I mean, it, it like, was bounce them eyes. Distant background. I, I, I bounced my eyes. Don't worry. I took um, a sip of my beer and looked away. I was like, "This is yeah. all right." It was a little oh, awkward. Um, but anyway, no. What an intro, man! I don't think the guests knew. Really, that's perfect nakedness. for Joey. Let's just do that. The theology of nakedness. Yeah, we were. Joey, we were Matt and I were filling Andy on prior to you uh, coming in uh, that we thought was really funny when you were trying to ask Richard Rohr uh, if yeah. you can have sex in heaven. Yeah, and Toby, <laughs> Toby just kind of ratted you. You're contributing to this bullshit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> <a> misunderstanding. <laughs> can we swear on this theology doesn't suck thing? Josh does it all the time. It, okay, and so. and Dan Coke, you know, straight up came out and and dropped hard ones like ASAP. So it's okay. fine. That's true. <laughs> yeah, we want. We want people to feel free to be themselves, and if we need to drop a little E on the episode, that's fine. No worries. Cool. Cool. So yeah. about did, did you want so, to get into the sex thing, or that was just a passing comment that you were going to try to make me look bad and move on? <laughs> no, Whoa. I don't want to make you look bad. I don't... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Man. I'm Man. kidding. Dude, I'm I kidding. Think... <laughs> Man, no, well, I dig it. I was going to say, man, rough. like making... 
At Andy, do you think? I think probably I advocate for bad Christian more than any other podcast. Josh mentions you guys probably every episode, <laughs> like probably, probably every single episode he mentions. Probably you. to a point where it's it's unhealthy, like I'm fangirling or something. So we yeah. can move on past that. We don't have to talk about yeah, that. Cool. So yeah, uh, if you guys if you guys have <laughs> no, heard I don't mind. Josh, I don't mind say anything that you know about this podcast that Joey is on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thanks for joining us, though, Joey. We're excited to have you on. Um, yeah, man. But before we dive into our topic today, though, we have a very serious question that Uh we ask every guest, and that is, and you have to answer, even if you don't feel like you have an answer. Okay. um, What is your favorite hockey team? My favorite (laughs) hockey team is the um, Milwaukee Bruins. <laughs> I don't even know okay. if that's a team. The, is, that's it, is it the Boston Bruins? There's the Boston There's Bruins. The Boston yeah, Bruins. the Boston Bruins. There you go. There gotcha. you go. But Where, I, I was I was answering your question by with your instructions. I don't know. Or I care appreciate anything that. About hockey. Yep. Well, you're from Josh. I think Josh said you live in North Carolina, right? Charleston, South Carolina. South, oh, South Carolina. Carolina. Okay. Oh, damn it. So I, I guess I think by All default right. he falls into <laughs> the Carolina Hurricanes territory. Then probably. Yeah. Oh, that's Which, a hockey team. I thought it was the. Yeah. Okay. We have a um. We have a hockey team here, the Stingrays, but that's like. Oh, a, they're probably like a minor oh, league the Stingrays. Team. They're affiliated yeah. with the Washington Capitals, actually. Uh-huh. Really? Uh-huh. And that's my team. That's my gotcha. team. The, but, Washington. You know, the Hurricanes. And the, Charles- and the Charleston River Dogs, a minor baseball team, uh, filters into the Yankees. It's a new, it's oh, a cool. Wow. Yep. Yeah. Pretty cool. Well, the Hurricanes are playing against the Capitals in the playoffs right now. So. Ooh, so excited. That's. And these guys are both Capitals fans. Well, gotcha. Joey, so. Joey likes basketball, right? Basketball and, and football. Football is number one. Basketball well, is number Tigers. two. Clemson Tigers. Clemson Tigers. Yep. Clemson Tigers, oh. Boston Celtics, Green Bay Packers. It's a big part of my life. Look, I got a whole tattoo there you representing go. Oh, all wow. three teams. I didn't teams. even know that. Right wow. on, man. It's a little Celtic leprechaun with the cheese and the flag of Packers <laughs> and a big old Clemson paw on the back. So. Sweet. Hey, it's kind of there Jesus in sports, man. They keep taking turns being my Lord, but I try to make there it Jesus. Go. So I try. <laughs> there you go. At least you're awesome. honest about it. That's yeah. what matters, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Josh. Speaking of sports, um, um, you know where you know where football is played. Like, what do they play football in? Anyone in a stadium? In a, in a stadium. Okay. And you know what they call it when you build a stadium? It's called construction, right? Oh and, god! And so, I, what's the opposite right, yes. of construction, Josh? Deconstruction. <laughs> deconstruction. Oh, so nice. our topic today is deconstruction. <laughs> you dug uh, deep for that one, man. But that yeah, was good. I, that's kind of my that's my job. I have to make a ridiculous segue yep. at some point in every episode. Cool. Um, so today we're going to be talking about deconstruction, uh, which, as I understand, is a prominent theme on the Bad Christian Podcast. Uh huh. Um. Which, I'll have to be honest, I know pretty much nothing about what that means or anything like that. <laughs> but before we dive into that, Joey, we would love if, just for our listeners who maybe don't know who you are or don't know about Bad Christian, if you could just give us a little background information about yourself, uh, maybe what, what you do, where you come from theologically, things like that, so, we, so our listeners My have a little bit of an idea. gosh, of who... and you want me to take like a minute. <laughs> no, nah, bring it, man. 90 seconds, even. I'll, ch- I'll try to make it super quick. Uh, so yes, host of a podcast called Bad Christian. Do a little podcast on my side called The Spin Zone, and basically, yeah. I was a school teacher <laughs> for five years. And but since 2005, I've been in I guess what you would call um, career minute. What was the word I'm looking for? Vocational. Vocational. Vocational that's the word. That low hanging fruit word that I couldn't think of. Vocational <laughs> ministry since 05. Uh, pastoring a church since 08. 
um, came from a very, very fundamental, evangelical, unhealthy upbringing. And when I say upbringing, I don't necessarily mean my parents as much as the churches that we were brought up in. So um, as far as current deconstruction, honestly, I use that word only because I know that's the word that everybody gets. Um, but mm-hmm. honestly, I put the, I just think it's, it's called changing, and I don't think we really have a whole... Cho- a whole lot of choice in the matter if we're honestly mm. if we're honestly seeking um and so i just think oftentimes god is so big we're right in the middle of where he's taking us or where he's allowing our thoughts to go and everything and then some people would call that you know backslidden or off the tracks or whatever um and i think that deconstruction is kind of stepping away from the stuff that we just always assumed was true and realizing oh wait a second maybe we're looking through a tiny little peephole that is the culmination of everything we've ever been taught in our small sect of evangelical Christianity. So it's almost like recognizing, wait a second, there's there's way more to the story. God is way bigger than all of our tiny little ways of fitting them in. And so deconstruction for me is not even a, what what people call deconstruction. It's not a choice for me. I don't. Mm. I didn't decide to do it. I did not. Mm-hmm. Sweet, good deal. Yeah, I know. So Andy. Um, you so this idea of, of deconstruction is is pretty new to you, right? Yeah, I've not really um, heard much about it. I mean, I guess I I kind of have tried to distance myself from the mainstream evangelical <laughs> world in a very different way. So I'm in more of like, for your benefit, Joey, I guess more of like a confessional reformed setting. So yeah. I, I fit more in like the very traditional Presbyterian yeah. category, which. I like to distance from mainstream evangelicalism sure. as much sure. as I can. Yeah. Um, so, so, and so I feel like the deconstruction conversation is very much like an offshoot of mainstream evangelicalism. And so I'm not very familiar with what that's all about. So what you said there kind of gave me at least a little bit of info, I guess, but is that, do you feel like what you said there is, is that, does that sit well as a definition of deconstruction or if you're going to define it, how would you define it? I mean, I, yeah, I think what I just gave you is how I define deconstruction, whereas okay. I think people would typically say deconstruction is basically destroying all of the bad or incorrect impulses that we were taught by religion, you know, as far as having to believe a certain way or approach the Bible a certain way and get this right. And, you know, even just the whole basis of uh, apologetics, I think, to some degree needs to be deconstructed just from the standpoint of is the Bible made for that sort of defense and that sort of approach, or are we spinning our wheels here and we're never going to come to one general consensus because it wasn't meant for that. So I just think deconstruction is like, whoa, we got to see, we got to see things differently because if we are honest with ourselves, all of us would have to admit that the vast majority of the way that we approach our faith was not taught to us by anything other than men and women. Mm. The vast majority, I truly believe. Now, the supernatural stuff that that I, simple stuff, like things that I think God spoke really clearly to me about and those sorts of things, that doesn't have anything to do with rules or anything. That's That, to me, is more of a relational thing. But when you stop and realize, oh, my gosh, the vast majority of stuff that I believe, the vast majority of ways I approach the Bible was taught to me by people who were taught by people who were taught by people it's kind of intense when you recognize Mm. that. So it just, it, it kind of leaves you in a place where you're like, okay, deconstruction or not, I'm in a position to where I'm rethinking stuff. And 
I, did, I didn't try to be here. In fact, I didn't want to be there. And we've talked about this, Matt, Toby, and I, I think off, off the record that it would be a lot easier if, if our beliefs weren't changing. It, now, mm. it wouldn't be honest yeah. if we fought it, but it would be a lot easier just being in that box. It's way safer. Hmm. Yeah, I know Matt, Mar- Matt, Har- oh my gosh, Matt harps on that idea a lot that like it would be, you know, it would be easier, but for him, he knows he wouldn't be being honest to himself and to others. And so, yep. like, it seems like Matt tends to get frustrated when people are trying to push him maybe to places he doesn't necessarily want to go or he's not ready for just because he knows that if he accepts that, he's still lying to himself. He's not willing to sit with that. Yeah. So I think that's that's kind of a helpful way to look at it. Well, um, and I think, and, and honestly, like, and, and I understand the uh, back and forth with this that, okay, well, Jesus is God and he is, you know, saying stuff in the Bible. So, you know, that's an error or, or however your thought process is. But Jesus basically... A huge part of his ministry was helping people deconstruct from the ways in which they were brought up. That's the whole concept of it said in the law this, but I say that. Or, you know, you you look so intently at the law and you're so focused on people tithing their their spices from their spice rack. And it's not about that. So, I mean, (laughs) Jesus Jesus initiated a full-blown movement of deconstruction of... Jewish people that were under the law, they were trying to make ends meet with God to keep them happy, and Jesus is saying, "I'm destroying all of that." Uh, oh yeah, mm. you, you want to you, you want to talk about rich and poor? How about we're all equal? I mean, just destroying <laughs> all of that. So Jesus was the biggest deconstructor. What do you think? About, I never thought about this before, Joe. But what do you think? And Matt or uh, Andy, I'd be interested to hear what you say too. So, like, the Protestant Reformation, something that's, you know, very important, extremely near and dear to Reformed people and also Protestants alike, is that almost like a, a mass movement of some kind of, some, there has to be some level of deconstruction. They're fighting back against what they've been taught, what they've been told, God's moving in a different direction, and they kind of get on board with that. That seems like deconstruction to me. Maybe I'm wrong. Who you asking, dog? Who you asking? <laughs> Anybody. Up in the air. Up in the air. Because I'm what not you, at a loss for words with that. Go for it. But I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd say it was, uh, I would say it was a huge, necessary, good deconstruction from works-based salvation and approaching God with a to-do list. Uh, mm. But just like when humans make progress with anything, uh, it comes with some negatives. And, and we're seeing this in 2019 in the deconstruction uh, process, <laughs> a mass movement of deconstructionists who are now becoming judgmental fundamentalists on the other side of things. So it's right, just like once right. you have something good, it's always going to come with bad. And, and this is where I'm really going to piss Andy off is I think a lot of the <laughs> theological stuff that they tried to nail down was good from a standpoint of grace, uh, but very, very... Uh, poor approach to formalizing a book that was not meant to formalize in which now we believe God creates people for heaven and God creates people to hell and there's absolutely no choice in the matter. And I just, you know, I think when you take a, a broader look at, at Jesus and his life and how he carried himself and how he treated people and even the words that he said, such as, Father, forgive them for they know not what they've done, which scoffs in the face of like Calvinism from a perspective of Jesus saying, Hey, there is something to people not knowing and I want them to be forgiven. Now you can, obviously there's a limitation to how far you can take that. Cause we don't know what was going on in the spiritual um, realm, but we do know Jesus, there was an element of mercy and they didn't know. So for 
to think of a God that actually keeps, like, like doesn't allow people to know and then punishes them forever. I know that sounds very um, propaganda-ish. Um, mm. Not not the rapper. It sounds like I'm trying to give Calvinism <laughs> a bad name, but 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 I Propaganda. worked. I, I worked. I worked through all of that, and I feel I feel like it's dangerous. But that's just mm-hmm. where I'm at. That's where yeah. I'm at. Well, I won't get into the Calvinism debate right now, sure. but I will say um, <laughs> I will say that just from what you're saying, describing deconstruction, it's interesting to me. Uh, that from what I've heard, at least, which is very little, it seems like it's become a movement almost with like a very, like very clear path where like everyone who's in the deconstruction movement, like pretty much goes the same way theologically. Um, Whereas to me, it almost sounds like you're just describing, like when you you say deconstruction, it sounds like you're just describing the process of refining your beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, and to some degree, like, I even almost can relate to how you're describing deconstruction in my in my own life. Like, I feel like I've undergone a form of that moving from kind of broad evangelicalism to more like a confessional reformed world, which I think is actually very different. Like, I feel like I've undergone some of the same stuff where I've realized um, so much of what I've taken for granted about what Christianity Guys, like, is or how it I'm works is wrong and unbiblical. No. But I guess just moving in a different direction than kind of the broad deconstruction movement tends to move. Um, but I can relate to a lot of what you're talking about in terms of the process or the concept, I guess. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and I think, I think too, Andy, like something that you pointed out is um, I think oftentimes people aren't willing to have the kind of conversations uh, that we're having. And so instead of instead of just uh, talking to people about, hey, what is deconstruction or where are you on this journey, whatever, they just assume the worst that, oh, all people who deconstruct are really people that are just pissed off. They're angry at the church. They say middle finger to the church, bye to God. They go down the slippery yeah. slope and they all end up a bunch of like progressive liberal atheists. And like well, that's, and so- that's the picture that gets painted because people aren't willing to talk to them. So I think the thing that that maybe I mean to pat ourselves on the back, uh, we do well is that we're willing to have those conversations, so that those kind of false you know uh, caricatures of different things can kind of be brought to light. And here's where I think though the apprehension with deconstruction comes. And I, Joe, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Yeah. But, and uh, by, by the way, I was out yeah. for about two minutes. So if y'all asked me something, uh, and I just gave you a blank stare. That's why. So. <laughs> we did not. We did not ask you anything in that time. Okay. So that's. Oh, uh, good timing. Um, I was just going to say, though, uh, I I think sometimes the apprehension with the deconstruction movement comes, and maybe it's from, like, what you were mentioning, Joey, of kind of the solidifying part of the deconstruction movement, if that's what you want to call it, that's becoming more, like, judgmental and, like, intense about it on the other side. Um, but I think a lot of times people are apprehensive about deconstructionism, if that's a word to use, because <laughs> it sees uh, it seems like people who promote that term or promote that like movement or whatever see like see rejecting traditional orthodox christian beliefs as a virtue in and of itself yeah and i i don't necessarily know that think that's where you're coming from but i think that sometimes that's the apprehension towards that is it seems like it just becomes like well like how many orthodox christian beliefs can we reject just because we like rejecting orthodox christian beliefs well, well so, let, you know, yeah, let, let me let me put some context to that. Uh, I, so I heard uh, I don't know if y'all have heard of Killer Mike, a really cool hip hop guy that I like a lot. He was on Joe Rogan and he, he said, I think it, it was I think it was 65 years is what he said. He said black people have only been free for 65 years. 
and he let that sink in. I was like, oh, my gosh, do the math. And you go back 65 <laughs> years, and, and they, yeah, it was horrible in America for them. And so I, th- I think that there does need to be room for people to have a complete, like, overhaul. Like, in their minds, they're just like, no, nah, I'm, like, starting from ground zero because let's, let's think about this. You, the three of us are, are in some way, shape, or form products of a religion that has been progressing throughout the last 200 years in the context of extreme male chauvinism and inequality amongst genders, um, slave-holding pastors. And, and, and I'm not even trying to speak super negatively of them because I think everybody was in that boat. It was a very horrible time in our country, and we were off, but it just so happens that Christians, non-Christians, uh, all sorts of people were, were involved in that. And that, that our faith came to us through those lenses. And so, I mean, there I talk to people that are younger than me that came from worse upbringings than me. <laughs> And so I think that some people do feel like, man, they need to, like, start something's wrong here because this doesn't sound anything like Jesus, anything about love, anything about peace and forgiveness. And so they feel like they need to, you know, pull the plug altogether. But, I mean, a general admonition would be people should stop putting people in boxes and just use, you know, their adult brains and recognize everybody's not the same, even to the point of I used to think all atheists, if, if, if someone decides to be an atheist, they obviously they just want to do their own thing and they don't want to yield to any sort of higher power and they're going to get punished for it. Until I spoke to an atheist that said, you don't know how badly or what I would give to, to know that there's a God that loves me. Like if I could just believe that, it would change my life. And I don't, I don't have that faith. I wish that I could have it. And, and these are people that are well understanding. Or they know my faith, so it's not like I need to share the gospel with them. They're like, I, I would love to believe that. And so I think it's just, it's just we need to stop putting people in boxes and recognize everybody's different. And there are a lot of honest people that they don't care uh, about it being a virtue. They're just being honest. But I do think you're on to something that a lot of the deconstruction movement has, has actually turned pretty wicked, in my opinion, mm. because they look down on people uh, that were just like them two years ago. I mean, how stupid is that? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, like, that's like an eighth grader that's learning algebra and making fun of the, the sixth grader who can't do it yet. And, and, that's, right. assu- and that's assuming that the, uh, the ones that are deconstructed are right and the others are wrong, and I'm not making that assumption, but I would assume that sometimes the people that are deconstructing are right, sometimes they're wrong, sometimes people not deconstructing in that area are right, and sometimes they're wrong. Um, mm-hmm. But it is silly to look down on other people that just aren't where you're at in your faith. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, um, something that came out, it actually worked out perfectly, Joey, the episode you guys just released with uh, Chad from King's Kaleidoscope. You guys were you guys were literally just talking about this and uh, I forget who brought it up, but basically they were talking about uh, how for some people like they're like, but you don't understand. Like I've had experiences where I was, you know, molested or whatever by priests or like the church literally did these terrible things to me like that. The Irish atheist you talked to that was literally held underwater so that he would be turned ungay. Like to ask those kind of people like, okay, stop being childish, you know, and get things back on track. Like that's a completely different realm and scenario. And so painting that with a broad brush as well, I think kind of fits into that category of people putting people in boxes that uh that you're getting at there yeah like a mat imagine a mat there's people that exist that they were molested as altar boys in the catholic church and their lives were 
destroyed once and for all in, in their minds. And to some degree, there is some destruction that's that's just there that, that can't be taken back. And wouldn't you say a lot of those people decided right then and there, I've got to stay away from anything that has anything to do with religion, just just to be able to survive, and that and and I you know I would imagine the three of us are like, man, that sucks because Jesus doesn't have anything to do with religion. Oh, except that's what he was taught that Jesus had <laughs> everything to do with everything he was doing, and in, including yielding to you know the priest. And I'm not picking on the Catholic Church, obviously the problems are all over the place. But man, there's real people that feel like religion is actually a very dangerous thing that they just need to, to run from. Hmm. Matt, do you have any, uh, have you had any experience with this or you've been kind of quiet? I'm just curious if you have any thoughts on what we've said so far. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, no, I, I think, uh, I completely agree with, with, uh, really both of what you guys were saying. I think, um, for me, deconstruction's been a completely necessary and and uh, unplanned adventure <laughs> like um it's it's definitely i i really hadn't even uh, I, I guess on a lot of the podcasts i've listened to or, or interviews i've heard with people um it seems like a lot of people have these big problems that they come into um and then they start deconstructing their faith and for me I was kind of like at a good place. Like (laughs) I I didn't really think I was looking, I wasn't looking for, uh, for deconstruction by any stretch of the imagination. But I think what you were saying also, Andy, just that, um, that there's so many people that go down the deconstruction path and and it just kind of seems to pipeline directly into a certain type of Christianity. I think that tends to be true. I I definitely understand that. Um, But I also think where, where Joey was talking about this idea that basically deconstruction, the way that we viewed it, I think as, as a a Christian culture in America, um, I think has a certain connotation. Um, I think that's why some people just choose not to use that term, I suppose, which which I can understand. I almost wonder, and I think, Joey, I was kind of talking about this a minute ago, but I think this might be when you cut out. Um, I almost wonder if there's, like, deconstruction, or, like, what you're referring to by deconstruction, at least, is a broader concept than just, like, that affects more people than just those who use the term. Yeah. Because, like, I I can relate to, I think this is where you cut out, but I can relate to a lot of what you're talking about with, I feel like, my move to like confessional reformed theology was in a sense a deconstruction and in, and I'm still kind of in the process of that in I had I'm uncovering a lot of my kind of just mainstream evangelical beliefs things that I've always been taught that I'm realizing aren't biblical and yeah. so in in a similar way kind of moving in an opposite direction uh I feel like I'm going through that process but I, I like I guess normally people who are moving in the direction I'm moving in just wouldn't use that word. Yeah. Deconstruction. And I think, and I think that's a great point. And I think probably though, a lot of, a lot of the people that you're describing, um, similar to Matt in that basically, uh, there's not a huge need like that. They didn't go through the really harmful parts of religion. So like me, me and Priscilla, yeah. me and Priscilla's deconstruction, I'll just keep using that word, even though I tend not to, but everybody knows what I'm talking about. Like I said, our deconstruction mm-hmm. has looked so differently because I was uprooting things that were deeply embedded in my heart as absolute truth that I paid attention to, thought about all the time, 
lost sleep yeah. over. And those were the things that really I feel God needed to do in my heart where Priscilla didn't have those things deeply embedded in her heart. She had a way healthier church upbringing. I think she definitely had way more room for mystery, way more room for, yeah, I'm not even sure how that works, but I certainly can't spend any time worrying about it because who am I to you know try to figure that out? So I do think there's a lot of people that may not relate to deconstruction that well because they don't really need it not in the yeah. extreme form. And I mean, my, my deconstruction was, I, I'd say it was a very simple, uh, where, what really kicked things off was a very simple quest of mine to understand why I was reading the Bible as an inerrant document that uh, informed my every move, my every theological impulse. And, you know, even though the truth was hard to find, it was still there. And basically, like, what, how, why, who told us to believe the Bible is like this? And I searched Jesus' words, and there, there honestly wasn't anything that convinced me that he was saying from Genesis to Revelation, every word is perfect and, and all that stuff. And so then I tried to find the best book on the subject. So I, I read uh, The Canon of Scripture by F.F. F. Bruce, and I was literally reading the whole thing, waiting for the floor to drop, thinking, ooh, I'm going <laughs> to find out what the magic potion was. And I mean, I remember talking to Toby about this and the, the youth pastor that worked uh, under me at the church and, you know, just basically like, what do y'all think? Like, how, why are we supposed to read the Bible this way? And I mean, here I am, the pastor, just like, I just want the proof. I want the evidence. And I thought that book would give it to me. And then I realized here I am reading from a fellow Christian who's way smarter than me, way more conservative in his approach to the Bible even, and he's basically saying, and that's the end of the story, and, and let me just dispel the mystery. There was no magical potion. There was nothing supernatural. It was literally people deciding what goes in, what goes out. Uh, it was literally people doing the translations and everything. And so it doesn't make me... It doesn't make me uh, have this inclination to cheapen the Bible as much as, oh, okay, so people that approach the Bible that way, it really is an act of faith. There's really, there's, there's no grand grounds to stand on as far as pointing to the Word and saying, here's how it's supposed to be read. And uh, once I came to that realization that nothing was ever going to prove this to me, then it really opened the door to, oh, crap, what do I do now? Because hmm. I've, li I've lived my whole life as, I, you know, everything's in there that I need to know. It's informed me of how I need to believe. And once I realized that it wasn't a sin to read the Bible objectively, like from, or, or I don't know if I'm using that word correct. I don't have a great vocabulary. But basically reading, <laughs> reading the Bible and assessing the Bible and trying to make sense out of it, which I used to think of it as, oh, you can't put the Bible on the judgment seat. You let it inform you. But as humans, we have a responsibility to try to figure uh, stuff out in the Bible and not just take something and run with it because we've seen how much harm it's done. So that was my deconstruction is just kind of coming to the realization, oh, yeah, I can't use the Bible that way. What does that mean now? And then mm -hmm. I think it just opened up way more seeking to way more different thinkers and, and people that have been writing stuff for the last 20 years that's super, super relevant and like cool water on a hot summer's day for me here in 2019. Y'all hear me? Uh-oh. I think check, we check. missed the last part of what you said. I hear you. I don't know. Did that happen to everyone else, too? Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah, I missed it a little bit, too. Keep rolling heard... your guys' audio, though. We can... Oh, Our I wonderful am. producer will uh, be like, hey, yo, Matt, we'll cut clip that bit everything out. together. Oh, I think he's back with us. <laughs> there there he is. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I heard, so I I heard I 20 years. Oh, yeah, perfect. 
I where I heard you start cutting out was you said people have been writing stuff for the last twenty, and oh, then yeah, it yeah. cut out for me. Yeah, just just basically saying that. I mean, I, like I am I'm stumbling stumbling upon very smart people who have been thinking these thoughts and recognizing things that don't really line up. 20 30 40 years ago but i'm i'm reading their work as if it is brand new fresh Mm -hmm. cool water on a hot summer's day sort of (laughs) 2019 um so just basically make you know making clear that this isn't a new thing you know people aren't like all of a sudden saying whoa something doesn't seem to make sense i mean there's been smart people (laughs) looking at this stuff forever yeah absolutely And that does bring up the interesting point. This isn't necessarily central to our topic, but just an interesting tangential thing that I always like to point out is uh, it seems like our view of Scripture is so central to how our (laughs) theology is formed. And so, like, Uh the reason I point that out is for you, like, obviously, when your view of Scripture changed or your understanding of how to read Scripture changed, that was, like, the big trigger, it seems like, that changed everything for you. And so... Mm -hmm. um, that's just one thing I always like to point out. Obviously, we would <laughs> probably disagree on our view of Scripture a lot, mm-hmm. but uh, but I think like how we understand Scripture and how we view and read the Bible is like so central to our theology, and so it, just it is. an encouragement. Oh, <laughs> oh, I was just it, gonna say, just an encouragement for listeners to take that seriously and think about that very seriously. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, so you don't end up like Josh or <laughs> Matt or Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and I think and I think to I think to appreciate how much context and presuppositions you bring to the table. It's like everybody says, oh, no, you've got to let the Bible speak for itself, and you've got to let the Bible, you know, stand on its own two feet. Oh, yeah, but nobody does that because we're already approaching it with some certain things our minds made up. Low-hanging fruit example would be I was always taught traditional heaven, hell, people who accepted Christ go to heaven, the rest of everybody burns forever. And so when I read scriptures that hinted about that, I was like, yep, that's exactly what I was taught. There it is, strictly laid out. But then when I read stuff like in 1 John that says, you know, died for the sins, not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world, and just different passages that was like, well, wait a second, that isn't, what in the world is it talking about? What I would do with those verses is I would chalk it up to mystery, well, don't understand that because it definitely doesn't line up with with my thoughts. And then you have smarter people that are able to twist it and make it make it not fit and and say, <laughs> no, here's what that's saying. That's not contradictory to what I believe. And they come up with some weird meaning and saying that one word doesn't mean what everybody knows that word means. It's like you're trying to fit it into. And so I just I just realized I was like, no, I'm. What if what if my parents taught me as a kid, hey, we are Christians. And God loves us all, and we're all going to go to heaven. Now, I'm not saying that's my current belief, but I'm saying, what if my parents did teach me that? Well, then the verses in the Bible that sound very universalistic, I'd be like, yep, that's what mom and dad taught me. But the stuff about yeah. hell, I'd be like, whoa, <laughs> yeah. I don't get that. Now I got to put that off to the side <laughs> as mystery because I don't understand. It just mm-hmm. depends on like what we bring. And so I think that is super important to recognize all the baggage that we bring to the Bible. It's impossible yeah. to just let it purely inform us. It's impossible. Yeah. We just think, had a... Oh, go ahead, Andy. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I think one of the important concepts that has helped me understand that, because obviously we do me? all have presuppositions that we bring to the Bible. Um, I think one of the concepts that has really helped me is this concept of the hermeneutical spiral, uh, which is the idea that, you know, we, we all have presuppositions that we bring to Scripture, um, but as we study Scripture more and more and 
submit ourselves to it, our presuppositions and our understandings are changed and shaped by scripture. So it's the idea of a spiral where you get closer and closer to the center. It's not like you just read the Bible once and boom, I'm at the center. I got it perfect. Uh, but this idea of a spiral where as you're submitting yourself to scripture, you get closer and closer to having a scriptural understanding or a scriptural set of presuppositions. Sure. And I, and I respect that. And that's where I came yeah. from for such a long time. I just don't think that's what the Bible is intended for. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's, we just, we, mm-hmm. uh, we actually just talked to uh, Pete Enns about this. He was a lot of fun to have on. He's an awesome dude. Um, but we talked about exactly that. And, uh, one thing too, that like mm-hmm. where I get hung up on that spiral bit is that I agree. I don't think the Bible's made for that because I don't even think the Bible agrees with itself all the time. Like I see, so like if you kept reading it and eventually it brought you to one place, I don't think the Bible brings itself to one place. Like I think, like, even for a quick example, we don't have to get into this, but Paul says some things about women and how they should or shouldn't behave in one part, and then in a whole other context, he says something that's the complete opposite of that. So what do you do with that? Who's right? Like, I think... Does he, though, Josh? Okay, we're not going to debate that right now. But <laughs> that's, um... <laughs> that's a different episode. But, you, I mean, I, I think that's I fair. Think... I think... Yeah, go ahead. Well, the, need... One of the... Oh, go ahead, Joey. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, even even two two different Genesis accounts in Genesis, two yeah. different two different uh, presentations of the law, which contradict from Deuteronomy and I think one of the Chronicles. I mean, the Bible. If the Bible is supposed to be this perfect formula without error that we can just come to as almost like a, a, a scientific rule, then it really sucks at doing that. Or <laughs> Or there's something way deeper that we just can't pick up on. I mean, almost like a weird code that like we just don't see where it is all truth. Or, or God is saying, tell me one other example in which I sent someone to speak to you and said, this person is perfect and everything that they say is perfect and run with it. Like I could see God saying, I, I didn't why did you think that was what you're supposed to get out of this book? Like of of everything in the world, you don't do that. You don't ever think anything in the world is perfect except for me. But you're saying this book that I use people to write is on the same level as me with perfection. It seems, it seems kind of crazy, but I understand it because like I said, I've lived the vast majority of my life saying word of God is God. This is God. Don't put anything ahead of this. I don't, I don't think that's how it's supposed to be. But that's where mm. I that, notice how I said I don't think I don't have any sort of I'm sure of it, but I am sure that I'm okay with where I'm at now. I feel complete at peace with God. I feel like the same God that spoke to me as a little kid through the context of my unhealthy religious upbringing is the same God that's speaking to me now. And so I feel at complete peace. But I, the last four years is no no peace in in this journey. It, it was a, a tough journey that I think. I finally feel, okay, can take a deep breath, know that God loves me. The Bible says, seek and you will find. That's all I'm doing with my life is seeking. <laughs> so, I mean, what kind of God would say, yeah, I know it said seek and you will find, but you were, you were seeking in the wrong places. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm begging you, God. Please tell me the truth. I want to mm. know. So it's, that's, a, that's a real sadistic God to say, yes, the truth is here. Yes, seek me. But then I find out like on a technicality that I was just seeking a little too progressively. And now I'm, I'm out of bounds and I'm going to go to hell forever. And I'm not, I'm not saying any of you guys are insinuating that, but that's the sort of, that's the sort of 
angst that we feel is that mm-hmm. sort of that sort of thing that we've taught is like you're on a slippery slope, you're seeking after the pleasures of this world and your own, you know, appetites and stuff. And it's like, no, I'm not. I'm begging God to tell me the truth, and and I'm trying to understand. <laughs> no, I I can relate with that so much, Jerry. I know for me, like uh, I had a similar experience, kind of what Matt was talking about. I never had something you know, crazy happened to me to kind of kick off a deconstruction or something. I've had some pretty bad stuff happen, church experiences thrown in there, but by no means has that been the primary driving force of anything. I just kind of looked at that as, wow, people really suck sometimes. Uh, Good thing they're (laughs) not God. (laughs) And so for me, like I remember my kind of deconstruction started reading a book by N.T. Wright, which... Uh, if you haven't read him, he, he's my favorite. He's wicked smart, but he basically, he has this book called surprised by hope that absolutely destroyed my understanding of what salvation is supposed to be. I had this basic understanding of this. I'm a sophomore in college at this point that being, you know, you follow Jesus so that if you're good, you can go to heaven. You know, it's a gift from God. That's great. But that's what happens. And if not, then you go to hell. But I had this like, what am I supposed to do with my life now? Oh, well, you're supposed to be nice to people and love people, whatever. But what Wright does is he shows like <clears throat> our salvation is not something that is like a, a um, postmortem uh, fire insurance policy. Like that's right. not what it is. Salvation is something that begins right here and right now. And he kind of talked more about uh, God restoring and redeeming all of creation and how, uh, as Christians, we're brought back into what it truly means to be human, as in like what we were created for in the garden, what God's purpose for us was. Sin pulled us from that. God restores us back to that. And then our salvation is living that out in a already not yet like pre-inaugurated kingdom of heaven. And that sounds like, wow, that's so much more, you know, big and beautiful, but that absolutely, and it sounds dumb, but that destroyed my paradigm and understanding of what Christianity was. Yeah. And so like that, that's where I started with that. And then it just kind of, you know, went from there. And, um, so I, I kind of agree with you. I feel like I've, all I've done is have, you know, searched and, and went after God and prayed to God, like, God, if this is wrong, tell me. Like, I can't have that, like all that stuff. And so I feel like I'd have to agree with you that it would be such a sadistic God to be like, well, all of your guys' theology sucks. You didn't get it right. You didn't check the right boxes um, kind of thing. I don't know. That, yeah, and so I agree and, with you. And, and, yeah, and there would be so many people that he would say that to if our measuring stick is traditional evangelicalism that we came right. from. Because that, then that means mm. everybody else is screwed, even the people <laughs> that were seeking God through this word that supposedly represents God. And so right. you have this huge mess on your hands of some robotic, uh, careless God that just basically looks at a piece of paper that describes people in one sentence and then trashes it and then decides who goes to heaven and hell. That's not the kind of, uh, if, if, if the God that created the heavens and the earth is like that, then we're just all in, in big trouble. And I, <laughs> I, I find it, uh, I find it a crazy thought too. kind of it. What you, one thing that you said reminded me of this is how crazy is it? And this may be the case, but how crazy if it is the case that people can become saved as long as they're living in their carnal flesh and bones. But once you are just a soul, nope, no more soul. Even though the soul <laughs> is is who we are, it is our being, there's this technicality that once the time clock 
ticks to zero on our human physical body, then we have no hope. That just is really, really weird if you think about sure, it. Once sure. that body dies, then, then we're out of luck. And uh, I've actually met some Christians who do approach the Bible in like a traditional inerrantist evangelical way and actually have entertained the thought of there's nothing in the Bible that says once you die, you're, it's over. You know, you, you better have made your decision by then. And, uh, you know, one scripture people like to throw is it's appointed every man to die and then judgment or something like that. And it's like, well, that is the weakest argument for, <laughs> you know, there's no chance. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting thought experiment, you know, especially when you take salvation in the context uh, that you're um, proposing, Josh, and, and thinking about it in the, in, in the light of eternity as far as does everybody stand before God's throne when they die and see God in his fullness and his love and he's irresistible at that point and then someone's heart really does legitimately change and they're welcomed in or you know and if that's the case are there people that are so hard-hearted and callous towards good that they can't and they won't and that you know I just I don't know it's interesting stuff so a question right I just wanted to throw out at you guys um because I, I understand where you're coming from with the concept of like, you know, you feel like you're genuinely seeking. So how like how harsh would it be of God to like if you're genuinely seeking him to just be like, oh, no, like didn't quite get it right. Um, but the, so the question I want to throw out, though, is obviously there's probably a lot of people who feel like they're seeking God genuinely who come to very different, disparate, contradictory conclusions about God and about the truth. Um so I, I, do you guys think, based on what you're saying, do you think that everyone who seeks God is right? Like, even if their ideas and conclusions completely contradict each other? Or how do you, like, how do you reconcile that idea? I mean, I mean, that, what you just said, is why I have thrown a lot of stuff in the, up in the air and just decided that I don't need to know and I can't know, because that, <laughs> mm-hmm. that, that for me, it, you, you just presented a huge problem. And, and how, how does how does God operate with all these people? And then, you know, do any of y'all have kids of your own yet? I'd, no, Matt I do. does. Matt yeah, does. He's he's two. ahead of the curve. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like <laughs> it, it's like once you're and, and uh, I don't I don't mean that to sound condescending. Like if you don't know, no, kid, no, you don't no worries. But like one, <laughs> no once worries. you have a kid and then you start thinking about God and you, and you look at your own kids and you hear that God loves us more than we love our own kids. And then we, we look at our own kids and, you know, let's just take two of our kids. Let's say, you know, one of them, one of them grows up and basically doesn't really heed what you warned and kind of just wants to figure out life on their own and ignore all your instructions kind of in a rebellious way. And then the other kid's more abiding and all that stuff. You, you don't want to know life without either one of them. And, yeah. and so I just, I, I find it so troublesome, the thought of, of, that that real deal tough thing that everybody talks about what about all the people from all over the world and different tribes that never heard the gospel and people that believe in different religions that right there when i look at the life of jesus and he said look if you want to know god look at me and how i can, <laughs> i don't even do anything without god it it definitely puts together a big possibility in god's love being way more um vast for 
multitudes of people than than I could imagine. And 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 I think it's okay to at least be hopeful of that. Like I am hopeful mm. that there is more to the story. And if any Christian can't get on board with that, then I'm just like, well, whatever. <laughs> I'm, go, I'm gonna go my hopeful way of hoping, you know, that more people are are saved than I, what I was originally led to believe. But yeah, I mean, I think you uh, are nailing it, Andy. That those are some very very troublesome things to wrap your mind around. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and this is where, and this is where a lot of people go wrong. They would say to me, and part of it would be true, but it's, but that's not what started it. Some people would say, oh, well, yeah, you're just jumping on whatever helps you sleep well at night. But that's just so incomplete because you're erasing the decade where I went to bed every night just assuming a lot of my closest friends were going to burn in hell forever, and I still sought after <laughs> that same God and still believed in that same God, still read my Bible every day, still prayed every day. So I didn't, I didn't have the option at that point to know anything else. And so I would say for to get me off of that train, I actually had to hear and entertain some things that were extremely convincing to where I believed it in my heart of hearts because... As a younger kid in college and even a, as a young adult, I would have loved to not be burdened by the concept of everybody going to hell. I would have loved mm. that. But until yeah. I found that there was actually real ways genuinely of approaching the Bible and faith and Christianity and community and all of that stuff in, in a different context, I was like, wow, I didn't know that. I've been in a really small box all this time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I think, too, one thing for me, Andy, that I think about often— <clears throat> And on the line of this thinking is, if we believe that God, well, at least, I mean, I, I think this is true. If, if God is the source of light, right, to use a metaphor, or if God yeah. is the source of truth, all truth comes from God. Everything that is good <clears throat> and beautiful, all of those things come from God. If there are people yeah. that are interacting with things that are true, they're interacting with Yahweh, with the, the God that we call Yahweh, our God. And so... Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think that has to say something, even though like we, we were talking about this off air, Andy, how like even though yeah, that we truth were. they this, that truth they come to might not be salvith salvific right. truth. To yeah, use not that all word. truth is the gospel. <clears throat> but then why so. is God like my my thing would be is like if if that's the case and God's like, oh, well, here's some truth. And, you know, it's convenient for me to use you to, you know, spread this little bit of truth. But, oh, by the way, I'm not going to give you the full truth. That God kind of sounds like an asshole. And if he is God, I'm sorry. Uh, but. Like that See, to me, I feel like that's putting way more blame on God where the Bible puts shifts it to humans where like God, God gives everyone, every man, the Bible says in Romans one knows God and knows his law and knows their responsibility to worship him. Uh, but we reject him. And so it's not like God is over here saying, oh, well, like you, you just don't get to know, like we all know and we all reject him. Sure. And so now he, cho- now, of course, I believe as the reformed guy that I am, that he only <laughs> gives the gospel and, and gives his saving grace to some of us. But I don't think that's deserved by anyone. That's right. Right. It's grace. It's not like everyone deserves it. Everyone has already rejected God and he chooses to graciously save some. I think that's where the difference is, is like, it's not that people don't know it's that they know and they reject God. Sure. See, and I, and, and I, I would take what you just said and jump on what Joshua just said and actually say that I think a lot of people do know God potentially in ways that we don't quite understand because it makes all the sense in the world that if God is love, he would find ways of reaching people outside of, I mean, let's just face it, that to, to some people, it is 
impossible for them to actually truly get a fair shake at Christianity. It just, it just mm. is. So I, I, I'm guessing. I, I'm not in everybody's shoes, so that's speculation. <laughs> but it just seems like, okay, no, what, what, if, what if everybody... I mean, it says somewhere in the Old Testament, y'all could look it up, I don't know where, but God even knows the intentions of all of our hearts. Mm-hmm. So that means that the intentions of someone's hearts are important. So what if someone yeah. says, hey, I just want to know the truth. My mom and dad taught me that it was Allah, and so I'm following Muhammad's teachings. I'm doing the best I can. Uh, it's just, I, I find it hard to believe that every single one of those people are uh, informed of clear the- theology from the Bible and then reject it. And then they say, nope, not doing that. <laughs> Similar to what you know, you're getting out of Romans 1. I just don't see how that's possible with every single person because there's some really, really... Some kind kindness doesn't. <laughs> there's what I'm trying to say is there's a lot of people that are are pursuing faith in such a pure, humble. I just want to know what's best, what's right, what's truthful, and I want to love my neighbor. And it's 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 a hard one for me to believe that uh, all of those people are just completely 100 percent off. So I have hope that Josh's narrative. Um, not not only makes sense to me, but I have hope that there's some truth to that too. Hmm. Um, and, it, and and it's not that unfounded when you think about none of us really have. Well, I don't know. I, I don't want to put words in Andy's mouth. I've heard some crazy ass things from some Calvinists, but I think <laughs> most of, mo- most of us would say that kids that are uh, you know babies that are aborted or kids that die at two or uh, the mentally handicapped 20 year old mm. that gets in a car wreck these people are going to heaven now again I think some Calvinists would disagree and say nope their their lot is just as up in the air as ours depending on who God you know chooses but it's not that crazy to take the Muslim like let's just say Jesus um, is the way to approach God um, yep. it's not that out of bounds for a Muslim to approach in, in such a pure way and for God to be like, no, I understand the intention of your heart. Now, please understand that when I say stuff like that, it sounds like heresy to my evangelical ears. And I'm trying, <laughs> and I'm trying to get used to recognizing, no, that's a very logical possibility to entertain. Yeah, I think that's fair too, Joey. And, and one thing that I think is fair to entertain as well is the idea that because, I, I mean, I've talked to you about this before, Andy. Like, I think wholeheartedly that Jesus is the way to God. Um, yeah. I think... <clears throat> but I think what if what if we're the ones limiting what that means for Jesus to be the one to God? What if Jesus was the one that paved the way for everybody to uh, mm-hmm. to kind of ha- be able to have that experience? And rather just a limit that to somebody having the level of mental assent to say Jesus is Lord. You know, I know you don't like the sinner's prayer, Andy, and I'm making a character. I'm not a fan of the sinner's prayer. That's correct. But to say, then to <laughs> say, like, prayer shit's <laughs> messed up, man. Yeah, I agree. Here's, I agree. Here's the sinner's prayer. Now I get to go to heaven like yep. that. Mm, the the level of mental ascent I don't think is fair, um, right on. Uh, but I think too, uh, real quick, this is just something that we talked about off air as well, Andy. Like something that I've been getting hung up on recently, and this is you know just to be super personal and transparent, is like when I try to think within the realms of like say more reformed theology. Yeah. Because because my theology doesn't line up with what I see in the reformed spheres. Yep. If you take Calvinism or not even Calvinism, you just take reformed theology to its logical conclusion. I must not be saved. My heart is hardened. I don't have the real truth. I have some heretical view of that. And so I'm yep. screwed. 
And that I've been struggling with that because like if if Andy's completely right, I'm like, well, shit, what do I do now? And <laughs> and so that's that's just me being honest. And I know that's yeah. not a question that we can answer right now, but that's that's some of the I think those kind of questions are also other things that people within this realm of deconstructing run into and then they have a problem with that. Like what what do I do with that? I'm 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 a pastor, you know. I search after Jesus every day. I want to share Jesus with, with as many people as I can. But if my theology doesn't line up, then I don't have the actual truth. I just have, you know, some heretical form of the truth, which means God didn't give me the true truth, then I'm, I'm screwed. Or and maybe like, you're I don't, realizing I don't know what that, to do with that. Or maybe you're realizing that because God is convicting you. <laughs> <laughs> and he's going to change your beliefs. <laughs> it could be, man. It, it could be onto something. Well, let me, let me teach you a little trick. I've, I've actually... I, I feel very comfortable with where I am uh, currently at in my faith. And so when I have those sorts of, oh, shoot, well, if evangelicals are right, then I'm screwed. I actually grab some of the verses that were told to me when I was in that context, and I hang on to them now. And I'm like, no, if the evangelicals are true, I'm still good. I mean, and, I mean, like, <laughs> for, like, for example, like, for example, Paul says, if you put your trust in me, or faith in me, I forgot what word it was, you're never going to get put to shame. Those are his exact words. And I used to hang on to that as a Christian, just wanting to be sure of my salvation. Yeah. Now here I am out in no man's land, or at least I felt like <laughs> it for a while until I found community that could help talk some sense into me. And I'm just like, no, I'm still hanging on to that verse. I'm still hanging on to Paul's instruction. I'm trusting God that he loves me enough Mm-hmm. to allow me to do the best I can to make sense out of this and to know that salvation and grace and everything is in place and it can't sound any more like what I was taught in evangelicalism because I'm not trying to go out and screw a bunch of women behind my, mo- uh, my, my mom's back, my wife's back, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and you know, cheat people out of money or, or even um, you know, yielding to feelings of uh, selfishness or um, pride or whatever. Like I'm not sure. trying to just let loose. I'm actually trying to do the right thing. And so I, I really do. Th- I mean, if, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Salvation's a good gift. I asked him and I asked him a bunch of times. I'm <laughs> hanging on the Matthew seven eleven that I asked. And so in this exploratory phase of trying to figure stuff out, which I think I'll be in for the rest of my life and maybe make more sense as I go along, where, you know, and, and which will bring up more questions, I'm counting on Jesus here. He mm-hmm. said that if I ask the Father who loves me, if I ask him for a good thing, he will give me. I don't, I don't know how else to interact with that verse. So for someone to say, you know, the Bible is what we need to be banking on, I'm saying, okay, well, if you're right, this is one that I'm banking on. And, mm-hmm. and to be quite honest with you, I, I do bank on stuff in the Bible because I feel like uh, the Holy Spirit is, that's why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit is for us to interact with the Bible. And I think that that, yeah. that, that has to be done in community. And I think there's some important things of God interacting with us, with us personally. But these are scriptures that are beautiful. There is no condemnation with those in, in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. I hold on to that one. I, if I'm not in Christ Jesus, I don't know who else is. And that's not a prideful statement. That's saying I've asked all the time. That's my whole life is wanting to be in Christ Jesus. So it's, it's like, if I'm not in Christ Jesus, it's like the, the cruel uh, dog owner that holds that stake in front of a dog and never lets the dog have the stake, no matter how much he pleads or begs or follows or barks. It's like you're never getting the stake. Um, so, yeah, I, 
I would encourage you that I think you can turn that on its head and say, no, evangelicalistic teachings have my back and I'm mm, right totally on. good to go. So, no, dude, I, yeah, I, I totally dig it. I think too, um, like what, something you mentioned about the Bible, because I, I mean, I know a lot of people get uh, hung up with scripture and I, I take kind of like a Pete Enns approach to scripture. That's kind of my thing. But I think uh, for me, what scripture does for me is I think that reading scripture is important. I think that knowing scripture, interacting with it, you know, studying, memorizing it. I think all of those things are great because they point us to how to follow Jesus. I think where often we get hung up and where all this messed up stuff comes from is when we put the Bible on too high of a pedestal and we worship that and that becomes an idol rather than allowing it to point us to Christ and then follow, like you were saying earlier, Joey, uh, if you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus because Jesus is the ultimate revelation of who Christ is. And so I hang my hat on that, that I want to, you know, um, study the Bible, know the Bible, know the Bible, um, know the word of God. Um, and then Andy, (laughs) I've said this a bunch of times. It's not my phrase, but I'll say, I believe in the inerrant and infallible word of God. His name is Jesus Christ. (laughs) And so I kind (laughs) of, I stole that hardcore, but I I hang my hat on that. And that's, that's kind of what helps keep me going as well. And, yeah. and here, and this is the last thing I want to say, but that doesn't mean I have to bounce. I, I, obviously, y'all may have a question too, but... Cool, we'll wrap big, things up. Yeah, the big the big thing that I want to say is I would love for people, in, and I think you guys have this relationship, but I would love for people in Andy's shoes to recognize that what Josh just said is a very logical, acceptable, honest approach to God's Word. Could be wrong, could be mm. right. And then I would say... Um, it, it, relatively speaking now i don't i don't know andy enough to uh, as far as how you handle every single you know book and and the contradictions and those sorts of things but uh, i would say outside of some of those stuff depending on how you describe the bible i want people like josh to look at andy and be like no that's a very logical way Mm. of approaching god's word if that's how you see it and i think there's right and wrong on both sides and I do think that's where the church is changing hardcore as people are starting to recognize, hey, we don't have, we don't have all of our T's <laughs> crossed and our do- I's dotted, and we need every voice. It's, it's why Family Christian Store and Lifeways are all shut down, and the authors, <laughs> that they, the authors that they kicked out of selling their books are flourishing and selling yeah. more books. Than, yeah. you know, so yeah. it's just a, it's a different day and age. Yeah, yeah I think and that's maybe awesome, we're all going Jerry. to hell. Yeah, I think that's a really good observation. I think um, Andy's a really awesome dude, and Andy allows me to say really heretical things, and then he kind of helps me, you know, uh, or, or vice versa. I think sometimes, maybe maybe not enough, Andy, maybe sometimes there's things that you say that are, like, way too conservative or off the wall for me, and I never tell you, so maybe I, don't maybe know. I should do that, too. <laughs> enjoy, we can help rain each other. I enjoy in. <laughs> our conversations, Josh. Um, one thing I wanted to the throw out stuff, there, Ed. which this may not yeah. need to merit much more discussion, but... My the big takeaway for me from this episode <clears throat> is that American evangelicalism is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> Fair I'm, enough. We all agree. I'm coming, yeah, I'm coming at it from a very different perspective than you guys, but like, um, mm-hmm. I think the deconstruction movement is born out of like the ridiculousness that is American evangelicalism, mm-hmm. uh, and really, yeah. it's not American evangelicalism isn't a consistent faith tradition. It's a dash of like protestant reformation theology a dash of anabaptist theology a dash of this a dash of that you know american uh american dream thrown in there you know all this stuff that's just mixed in Hmm. and i don't think it's a healthy uh or historic faith tradition and so i think america i think american evangelicalism as we know it is somewhat disappearing and um some of that is manifesting itself in kind of the deconstruction movement i think 
for some people like me, it's manifesting itself in a return to a different historic tradition, uh, like reformed theology. But that's my big takeaway from this episode. (laughs) Yeah, no, I dig it. You you guys would enjoy, uh, and I know his first name is Wesley and I forgot his last name, but you guys would enjoy it. Is it it? Wesley? (laughs) (laughs) There was a, uh, there was a priest, I think Episcopalian, if I'm remembering correctly, if y'all are interested, y'all should reach out to him because he would bring some really good context and oh, cool. like mainline and and basically because he sees evangelicalism kind of in the same light and he's super well spoken. I met him on Twitter and I brought him on Pastor with No Answers to kind of talk about mainline religion. Oh, and cool, him, cool. Him as a like a, a priestly figure and me as like this nutball campus pastor <laughs> at a, you know, <laughs> evangelical church in Charleston. It was super super interesting. Awesome. Well, no, that's awesome. Um, I guess we should probably wrap up now, but Joey, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk with us. It was awesome. Uh, Do you have, before wrapping up, obviously you're on the Bad Christian Podcast. Your other podcast is Pastors with No Pastor with No Answers. Is that? Yeah, so it's it's been rebranded for many reasons we won't get into, but it's basically um, called the Sven Zone. S V E N. Okay, Sven Zone. Zone. So check that out as well if you were interested by this episode. and any websites or anything else you want to plug as we wrap up? Join the BC Join Club. Join the BC Club. Oh, hell <laughs> yeah. There we go. We'll plug the BC hell Club. Yeah. Josh is a big fan. Um, <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us for our listeners. Uh, if this is your first time, maybe you're new to this podcast, you can find us on all your major social media outlets or online at theologydoesntsuck.com. Please rate and review us on whatever platform you're listening to us. Uh, that way more people can find the podcast. And uh, I guess that's about it. So thanks for joining us, Joey. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Go Caps.